When we first come to Jesus, we tend to focus on ourselves, my salvation, my relationship with Jesus, my service to Jesus, my spiritual growth. And that is a good and a necessary part of the new birth. However, it's not supposed to stay that way. As we grow and mature in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, me needs to grow to include we. Mine must begin to include ours. But we see this all throughout God's Word. We don't have time this morning, but if we were to take the time to read what we call the Lord's Prayer, just think about what you know of it. Most of us probably have it at least partially memorized. Does it say, my Father in Heaven, or our Father in Heaven? Does it say, give me this day my needs, my daily bread? Or does it say, give us our daily bread? Even the prayer we're taught to pray is is about us and about we, not about me. One of the clearest examples of what we're supposed to become as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ is Paul's words in Philippians. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Every disciple of Jesus is meant to, to live this verse out in their lives. Looking out for the interest of others is meant to be the rule of our lives and not the exception. It's meant to be the natural way that we live as spiritually mature disciples of Jesus. Now, looking out for the interest of others, it will certainly take many forms. And one of these forms is we begin to care about the spiritual needs of those around them. But not just care, not just like have compassion. It begins with that. But then we begin to move to do what we can to meet those needs. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Uh, it should be page 769 in your pew Bible. And when you find that, I'm asking you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read verses 14 through 29. It says, When they came back to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them immediately. When the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running to greet him. And he asked them, what are you disputing with them? And one person from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought to you my son because he has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes stiff. And I told your disciples so they would be able to cast it out, but they could not do it. And he answering them said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to Jesus. And when he saw him, the spirit immediately threw him into convulsions and falling to the ground. He began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it is often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity and help us. And Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. 
Help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out and the book and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him and he got up. When he came into the house, his disciples began asking him privately, why is it that we could not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything except prayer. Title of the message is seeing spiritual needs. Father, we love you today. You're great and glorious. You're wonderful and worthy. Help us today to grow from me to we. Help us, Father, to begin to see and care about the needs of the world around us. And Lord, let this care move into action, that we begin to do what we can to make a difference with the needs around us. Father, open our hearts today to receive your word and receive what Jesus has for us from this passage. Let your Holy Spirit come and take the text and make it living and active in our lives to convict us where we need convicting, strengthen us where we need strengthening, encourage us where we need encouraging, and just generally do what needs to be done to make us ever more like Christ. Fill me with your spirit. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech and help me to speak your words and your ways for your glory. We ask in the mighty name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. Now, we're going to spend several weeks in this passage, at least three more after today, maybe four, depending. But in the passage, Jesus has come down from the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James and John. Immediately upon coming down, there's a crowd that has gathered around him and there is conflict that has arisen. The conflict surrounds a dad who has a great spiritual need. We see in verses 17 and verses 20 and verse 25, his son had an unclean spirit that caused him to have seizures and kept him from speaking and had led the son to attempt to kill himself by throwing him into the fire and into a body of water. The son had an unclean spirit that the... uh, The seizures and all of these things were caused by this unclean spirit and caused him to suffer greatly. We also see from verse 21, this had been going on since he was a child. Now, that's a scary thought, but from a very young age. Now, if you're a parent, you can imagine how distraught the dad must have been. Right. He's his son has these problems. He has these convulsions. He has the he is a mute. Uh, He is deaf. He's thrown into the fire. He's thrown into the water uh, and he has all of these things going on and there's nothing any doctor can do to help him. There's essentially no medicine. There's no help. There's no hope for his son. The dad and the son both had great physical and spiritual needs. But it was the spiritual need that caused the physical need. As we begin to see and meet spiritual needs in the world around us, many times we're going to find out that the physical need a person has are a reflection of the spiritual issues going on in their life. This is certainly the case here. Now, while this story gets more space in God's word than than a lot of other passages where Jesus casts out demons and helps people that have these great spiritual needs, in and of itself, it is not a unique story in the Gospels or in the book of Acts. Throughout God's word, when we see the people of God, the disciples of Jesus going out, they were always met with people with great spiritual needs. Uh, in our Sunday school lesson, we've looked at Matthew 9 and 10 today. The end of Matthew 9, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Pray. The Lord would raise up 
laborers to go out into the harvest. That's the way it is today. There are more people around us with spiritual needs than there are people who will be raised up and go out to do what they can to meet those needs. Jesus, he focused his life on seeing and meeting these spiritual needs. The disciples that he trained focused their lives on seeing and meeting these spiritual needs. The book of Acts details how they went about and how they went out and did what they saw Jesus do. You and I must carry out this example of seeing and meeting the spiritual needs of those around us. Now, we've got several, not really key truths today, but several things that we need to understand. And one of them is we are surrounded by people with a wide variety of spiritual needs. All around us in our community are are people who have real and legitimate and deep spiritual issues. They they have needs. They have they need help. Now we may not run into as many that are demonized as Jesus and the early disciples experienced, but that doesn't mean we aren't surrounded by people with deep spiritual needs. And what we have to do is train ourselves to see people in light of the spiritual needs they have and then begin to do what we can to make a difference. Now there are, I believe, three broad categories of spiritual needs. Right? There are people enslaved to sin. Every day, people are destroying their lives through sin. It could be drunkenness, it could be drugs, it could be fornication, any any number of other sinful choices. These people could be our friends, our family members, our co-workers, our neighbors, the parents of our children's friends, or just people we know in the community. But however it works out, I'm confident every one of us in here today can think of people we know, we have a relationship with, who are completely destroying their lives through sin. This is a spiritual problem. Now, one of the problems with sin is that it overpromises and it underdelivers. Sin promises excitement and pleasure and fulfillment and freedom. But what it delivers is something far different. Now, don't get me wrong. Anyone who's sinned knows that there is there is momentary pleasure in sin. God's word refers to this as the fleeting pleasures of sin. But it's not lasting. It's not something that stays with them. It is not a complete fulfillment. It it offers this little bit of it. And then over time it begins to kind of make things worse. But not only does sin not keep its promise of pleasure. The freedom that sin seems to offer is just an illusion. But instead of sin being an expression of freedom. Or an experience of freedom. It is an expression of slavery. And every action of sin strengthens our enslavement to sin. Right? If you are a note taker, write this down. Those who live in sin are enslaved by sin. And this isn't my opinion. This is what we see from God's word. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, that's pretty straightforward. That is so straightforward, we want to soften it up a bit. But if we're going to take Jesus's words seriously, we can't soften this up and take his words seriously at the same time. A person who lives in sin is not free. Instead, they are a slave. They are a slave to their sin. Not only is this person a slave to their sin, but again, each act of sin deepens the slavery. Look at what Proverbs says. His own wrongdoings will trap the wicked. 
And he will be held by the ropes of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction. And in the greatness of his foolishness, he will go astray. Now, the idea of the, the wrongdoings will trap him and held in the ropes of sin. It, it pictures the entanglement of it. And I don't know if you've ever been entangled in anything where the more you struggled, the more entangled you were. But that's the picture here. It, there's pictures ropes being wrapped around them of sin. And the more they struggle in the sin and do the sin, rather than getting free and experiencing freedom, the ropes tighten in and make them more enslaved and more enslaved and more enslaved. The more a person gives into their sinful desires, the deeper the hold the sin has upon them. The more a person gives into their sinful desires, the easier it is for them to give into their desires next time. The easier it is to justify these desires and the harder it becomes to resist them. This is the slavery of sin. And sadly, many people that are enslaved to sin want to get out from underneath this burden, but they can't. They can't get out because they are enslaved and they have no natural means of freedom. On our own, humans have no way to escape the slavery of freedom. Moral reforms may be important, but moral reforms cannot deliver from slavery to sin. Turning over a new leaf may be necessary, but turning over a new leaf will not deliver from slavery to sin. On our own, there is nothing we can do to get out from beneath that bondage of sin. There is only one who can set anyone free, and it's Jesus. And if the Son sets us free... We really will be free. There is hope for those enslaved to sin. And hope is named Jesus. And this is the only hope they have. There is no other escape from the slavery of their sinful nature and from their sinful desires except through Jesus Christ. You and I are surrounded by people who live in sin. Their physical actions of sin reveal the deep slavery that they have. Their sinful actions reveal the deep spiritual needs they have. And they need Jesus. And what what they need from us, they need from us is to see them in light of this. Not to see them with judgment. Not to see them with condemnation. Not to see them and make excuses for them. Not to see them and tell them it's okay. They need us to see them as slaves to sin. Who will be destroyed for their lack of instruction. Will be carried away because of their foolishness. And they need us to see that Jesus is the only person who can help them. We are surrounded by people with a great variety of spiritual needs. And one of these needs is the need for deliverance from slavery to sin that only Jesus believes, that only Jesus brings. So one spiritual need is people enslaved to sin. Another is people deceived by the devil. Now, when you look at God's word and all it tells us about Satan, one of the things we find is his ultimate goal is to be worshipped as God. But his vast inadequacies and iniquities render him unfit to be God. So he must lie and deceive to make it happen. In many ways, you could say everything Satan has done since being kicked out of heaven has been to fulfill this one desire, to get people to worship him rather than God. Of course, as we look at the world, we see he's 
had quite a bit of success at this one task. Satan is behind every false religion that has ever existed or ever will exist. Again, something you can write down if you're a note taker. All non-Christ-centered spirituality or religion is demonic in its origin. Now, that may sound harsh. But I believe I can prove it from God's word. Let me show you some of what God's word says. The spirit explicitly says that in lighter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. So why do people now notice they fall away? So why do people who at one point were a part of the church? And that's the picture. At one point, they were a part of the church, had maybe a faith in Jesus, knew the truth about who he was and what he had done. Why do they fall away and begin to believe things other than the truth? Why do Christians become Muslims or Christians become Mormons or Christians become Jehovah's Witness or Christians move into New Age spirituality? Why do they do this? Because they've given attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Right? That's what Paul is saying. When people who were once Christians abandon the faith of Christ and begin to embrace a faith of something else, this is the reason behind it. Doctrines of demons is the reason why. What was true in Paul's day is true of our day, and it's true for all time. But this isn't the only place we see it. No, but I say the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. But I do not want you to become partners with demons. Now, to me, this one is really important because the Gentiles of Paul's day, he says they sacrifice to demons. But looking at it from outside, not not a spiritual element, who did they offer sacrifices to? Well, Aphrodite, to Zeus, to Poseidon, to Greek and Roman gods. We call Roman and Greek mythology. But apparently it wasn't harmless mythology, was it? Apparently there was something behind that doctrine, those those false gods that had arisen. What was it? It was demons. And it's the same in our day. All non-Christ-centered religions, all pagan religions, are demonically and satanically inspired. But this isn't the only place we see it. We see it even in the Old Testament. It says they made God jealous with strange gods. With abominations, they provoked Him to anger. But notice what it says about the gods. They, they sacrificed to demons who were not God. To gods whom they have not known, to gods who came lately, whom your fathers did not know. When the Israelites wandered in the wilderness and followed the gods of the land they were in, who were they sacrificing to? Demons. Again, demons in the Old Testament were behind the religions that they found in the lands that they went to. We see it again in another place. For the Levites left their common lands and their possession and came to Judah and Jerusalem. For Jeroboam and his sons had rejected them from serving as priests to the Lord. And he appointed for himself priests for the high places for the demons and the Cathiles. And again, I think this is an important one because this is a familiar story, right? Where this is just nebulous God type things that we may have read about as we read about the Exodus. And we read about the time of Israel when they did it. This speaks of the time when the nation was divided. 
The nation of Israel divided and part went under Rehoboam and part went under Jeroboam. And Jeroboam was afraid that the people during the time of worship, during the time of Passover and whatever, he was afraid they would go to Jerusalem, make the sacrifice at the tabernacle or at the temple, and they would be drawn back to David, to David's family. And they would stay there. So he erected a calf. Just, I mean, literally, the story makes it like he just made up his own mind. He just sort of made up a calf. And it was like, hey, this is a cow god. Uh, this is what Yahweh is like. It was very similar to what Aaron had done. Not you, Aaron. Different Aaron. Aaron had done in, in the Exodus. Created a cow. Said, worship this. This is Yahweh. And from an outside looking in, we could just say, well, that was just, they just made an idol. But Jeroboam had an idea from somewhere. Where does this passage tell us it came from? Demons. So when someone erects a false god, where does that idea come from? When someone builds an idol and begins to worship that as God, where does that come from? Demons. Essentially, what God's word tells us when we look at it comprehensively is there is something behind Every non-Christian religion in existence, whether it is a way off, far away from Christ religion, or whether it's one that just alters Jesus just enough that it's not Jesus of the Bible, there is something behind it. It wasn't just someone's idea. There was a demon that inspired that idea. That any sort of non-Christian spirituality, the new agey type stuff, anything along those lines, Wicca, the occult, all of that kind of stuff. There is something behind it. That stuff is not harmless. It wasn't just somebody's idea. They're not just making stuff up. There is a demon who is behind it. And our, our culture is just eat up with it. All around us are people who are worshiping demons. All around us in our community are people who are giving their worship and their devotion to demons. And we have to know that. It's not just another way to believe. It's not just what fulfills them. It's not harmless fantasy. There is something behind it, and what's behind it is demonic. And they're deceived into thinking it's true, and what they need is the truth, and the truth is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. Everything about salvation and eternal life rises and falls on Jesus and on our connection to Him. There is no eternal life apart from Jesus. There is no forgiveness of sins apart from Jesus. There is no spiritual life apart from Jesus. There is no salvation apart from Jesus. There is no knowing God the Father apart from Jesus. There is no connecting with the Spirit of God apart from Jesus. Everything, everything, everything rises and falls on Jesus. And again we are surrounded. By people who are deceived. By the devil. 
their non-Christ-centered spirituality or religion reveals a deep spiritual need in their lives. That need is they are deceived by the devil and they are worshiping demons. Now, again, I know our culture pushes back against that for a variety of reasons. Our culture pushes back against that because we're a pluralistic culture. And everything kind of has to be true or nothing is. And every way has to be acceptable. And it's, it's just not tolerant to say Jesus is the only way. But if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, and as we've been talking about on Wednesday night since we were in December in here, people of the book, that is what the book says. The book says that it's Jesus or demons, essentially, is what the book says. And so these sort of things are are problematic. When someone we know is being drawn away by those things, it's not harmless fantasy. It's not just an action that makes them feel good. It's not, well, it makes them a better person and so they'll be okay in the end. It's none of those things. It is doctrines of demons. They are deceived by the devil. They will be eternally destroyed. And we all know people who are drawn away by these things. And what they need is the truth that is Jesus Christ. We are surrounded by people with a great many and a great variety of spiritual needs. And one of those needs is the truth that is found in Jesus. So spiritual needs, people enslaved to sin, people deceived by the devil. Finally, people crushed by the cares of life. Let's face it, life can be hard. Sometimes life is hard because we make bad decisions and we make our lives hard. We've we've probably all been there. I have. Uh, I have made many decisions in my life that have made my life harder than it needed to be. Some people seem to do this at more epic level than other people do, but, but we've all probably done it. Sometimes life is hard because someone else made a bad decision and their bad decision has affected our lives in a bad way. Again, I think that's probably something we've all experienced at one time or another. We suffer the direct consequences because of their bad decision. Sometimes life is hard because we see the bad decisions of people we love. And we know the probable outcome of this decision. And our hearts ache for them. Have you ever known somebody you loved and cared for deeply and you could see they were just destroying their life with one thing or another. And no matter what you did, you couldn't help them. And it made your life hard. You ached because you couldn't help them. Some people, their lives are hard just because we live in a fallen, sin-cursed world. I mean, this life is, this world is broken. And a broken world breaks people and it breaks things. And so sometimes our lives are just going to be hard because life's hard. Some people are crushed by the cares of life because they they just feel like they're drifting. They have no real purpose in life, they don't think. They think they're kind of an accident. Maybe God didn't have a reason or a purpose about them. And as someone who wrestled with that at one point in his life, I can tell you that is a, a miserable, difficult, crushing care of life to think there's no purpose to your life. And while we don't often think about these physical problems, 
as having a spiritual component to them, they do. While life being hard is not necessarily a spiritual problem, it can be. And while life being hard isn't necessarily a spiritual problem, there is spiritual help for the physical problem. Right? And this is true no matter what the, the crushing care of life is. If we have made bad decisions that have made our lives hard, there is spiritual help for that. Other people are making decisions that are making our life hard. There is spiritual help for that. If we're just, life is hard because the world is broken, there is spiritual help for that. If we feel like we're drifting and aimless in life, there is spiritual help for that. And, and the reason we care about these physical problems and the spiritual component is, and write this down if you write things down, the cares of life can keep people from Jesus. The cares of life can keep people from Jesus. Now, there are a couple of ways, particularly the cares of life can keep people from Jesus. One is the cares of life can cause people to neglect the eternal for the earthly. We could also say the cares of life cause people to neglect the important for the urgent, right? The, the crushing cares of life are urgent. But they're not always like ultimately eternally important. And what can happen is we are so crushed by the urgent cares of life, we neglect what is eternally important. And we don't have time this morning to look at it, but take some time this week, this week and read Luke 10, 38 through 42 tells us about Jesus going to visit uh, the home of a family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And while Jesus is there, Mary sits at his feet and, and listens to everything Jesus has to say. Martha, on the other hand, busies herself with all the stuff that a good hostess was expected to do, like preparing food. She does this for a while all by herself, gets frustrated that her sister isn't helping. So she asks Jesus, essentially, do you think what she's doing is right? She's sitting there just listening to you while there's all this urgent stuff that needs to be done. Here's how Jesus replies. Martha, Martha, you're worried and distracted by many things, but one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. It can be difficult for a person who's crushed by the cares of life to focus on eternity. Many times they are too busy just trying to survive right now and what's going on at the moment to even think about what will come 10 minutes later, two days later, much less eternally later. I've talked to many people who were crushed by the cares of life and they'll tell me, well, I think Jesus and the Bible and church, and all that stuff is important and it's good. They hope to do it at some point. They need to survive what's crushing them first. And I'm not saying what's crushing them isn't real or severe or hard. I would never say that. I know that it is. What I'm saying is there is something eternally more important. Our spiritual lives, our relationship with Christ, our eternity. And the crushing cares of life can be so loud, so urgent that we stop what we're doing as far as preparing for eternity and being with Jesus to focus on that. And again, I bet people we know who at once were here but are not here now. 
They're not here in part probably because some, the cares of life, have caused them to neglect the eternal for the earthly. They need help. They need spiritual help. Another thing the crushing cares of life can do is cause people to ignore God's voice. There's a great example of this in the book of Exodus. Moses hears from God in the desert. God's going to deliver Israel. He goes back to Israel and he tells them God's going to deliver you. And the people are like, huzzah, finally, we've been waiting all these years. Then Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go. Pharaoh's like, I don't know who this God you're talking about is. I'm not going to let the people go. Not only am I not going to let the people go, watch this. And he tells their guards, he says, hey, apparently they're lazy. They have way too much time on their hand if they're talking about going out in the wilderness and worship their God. So, make their lives harder. Do all of these things to make their lives harder. They make their lives harder. And they begin to cry out under the weight of that. And they see Moses. And they're like, we hate you, Moses. Look at this. You came and told us one thing. Now it's a whole lot worse. We hate you. You're, You're the worst. So Moses goes to God. He's like, God, I I was pretty sure you told me you were going to deliver them. It's gotten all of this worse now. God says, no, no, I am going to deliver them. Go back and tell them. I really am going to do what you said I'm going to do. So Moses goes back and it says this. Moses said this to the sons of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. They had a clear message from God, but they were crushed by the cares of life. And so they chose not to listen to what God had to say. Again, anybody around us can be in the same situation. The cares of life can be so great, crush them so harshly that they just ignore what God has to say, what God wants for them, what God can do to help them in their time of need. Now, we all know there are many issues that can make life hard. And all of these issues can cause people to feel crushed by the cares of life. The longer it goes on, the more of a burden they become, the more crushed the person feels. Eventually, the person being crushed begins to feel weary to the point of collapse from carrying the burdens. Here's where the spiritual aspect comes in. They they need to know there is someone who can give them rest. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is comfortable. My burden is light. The words weary and burden paint two two pictures for us. The first is of extreme weariness. Not just like I'm kind of tired. I miss my afternoon nap. But it basically pictures one who has gone as far as they can go. Cannot take another step. They are on the verge of just collapse under how tired and weary they are. Burdened pictures someone under extreme pressure. It pictures basically, I guess a good way to picture it would be something on their back that's crushing them down. And they've resisted and and held on as long as they can, but they, they can't hold out much longer. And they feel like at any moment this burden, whatever it is, is just going to crush them and they're going to pop. These are the people who are weary and burdened and Jesus calls those people to come to him and he promises they will find rest for their souls, that they will give, they will find his rest that he will give to them. Sounds a lot like someone crushed by the cares of life. 
Jesus invites those who are crushed by the cares of life to come to him and find rest in him. You and I are surrounded by people who are crushed by the cares of life. All manner of things has made their lives difficult, made their lives hard. And they are weary and they are burdened. They are exhausted and they feel like they're about to explode under the weight of it all. And they need to know the Jesus who can give them rest. They need to know that there is a spiritual help for their physical problems. That there is rest for their souls available to them in Christ. It's not judgmental for us to acknowledge these problems are real. It's not judgmental for us to acknowledge there's a spiritual component to these problems. They are indeed spiritual needs. There's nothing judgmental about standing on God's word and saying this is what God's word says about this particular issue. It's not judgmental to say something that is contrary to God's word is wrong. Now, that doesn't mean we won't be called judgmental. But it does mean it's not judgmental. As disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, who embrace God's word as the authority in our lives, we know the consequences of unmet spiritual needs. Besides the very real damage it does, physical damage it does in this life, There are far worse eternal consequences waiting. Therefore, we must recognize people with real and serious spiritual needs are all around us. We must see those needs and we must see those people. And we must care. Our our key takeaway today, we must look for spiritual needs in all its forms and do what we can to help. We must see, look for spiritual needs in all its forms and then do what we can to help. We're going to have a time of response. If you would say you're a disciple of Jesus, I want you to take this time to pray. Pray first for for our minds to accept the truth that we're surrounded by people with a wide variety of spiritual needs. One of the greatest dangers for a community like ours is to say, well, people are basically good, therefore they're okay. People are putting on a good face, therefore they're okay. They seem to be moral people, therefore they're okay. And because of our connection with people, it's easy to see the best isn't the right way to say it, but maybe to see with, I think they're going to be okay in the end, rather than see the depths of their spiritual needs as they really are. So we want to pray for our minds to accept our community is just filled, packed with people who have a wide variety of spiritual needs. We want to pray for eyes that see these spiritual needs in all its forms. See with love and see with compassion those who are bound in sin, those who are deceived by the devil, those who are crushed by the cares of life. They have enough judgment. They don't need that from us. They have enough condemnation. They don't need that from us. They need love. They need compassion. Ultimately, they need Jesus most of all. To pray we would see in those ways. 
And third, pray for a heart to be burdened enough to do what needs to be done to meet those needs. As disciples of Jesus, we can't really say, well, that's none of my business. It's sort of all our business. We're here by divine design. We're here to, to minister to Gaiman, to the people of Gaiman, in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, for the glory of our Father. Jesus did not save us to say, me, mine, mine, that's all I'm concerned about. He saved us and He kept us here so that we could go out there and make a difference in their lives, in His name, for God's glory. If you're here today and, and you recognize one of these spiritual needs I've talked about in your own life, I do want you to notice that there is help. There is one solution for whatever spiritual need you may have, and the solution is Jesus. If you would come this morning and surrender your life to Jesus, He will deliver you from slavery to sin. You don't have to live in that bondage. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to live deceived by the devil. There is one who is truth. He gives you a spirit to live in you that is truth. He gives you a book to follow that is truth. And if you are crushed by the cares of life, there is rest for your soul awaiting you. If you would come to Jesus and lay all of that down. And all of these things, Jesus is calling. Come to me. Come to me. Will you come? Let's stand.